so he calls me up one day and he's like, Tucker, he's like, you know, like, I'm, I don't know what to do. Like, I literally have no money. My dad's not giving me money. And like, he's like, listen, he's like, you're not good at, he's like, you should be like these emails you wrote are the funniest thing I've ever read. You should, you should do this. This should be your thing. And I'm like, what would, what, what be a writer? What am I a faggot? Like, what you like, No, I'm not some bitch. Like, what's wrong? A writer. Like this, you know, my reaction to him, yeah. my very mature reaction. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, Tucker, let, let's look at your life. You failed at law. You failed at business. Those are the two things you train for. Yeah. So you're good at this. So yeah. maybe you are a faggot and a bitch, but <laughs> this is what you're good at. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Tucker Max. How are you? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, good to have you. So, got to take it back. Like, did you just, you know, you come out of the womb in the delivery room and then immediately like threw a rager in the in the hospital? Like, how? how take me back. Where where did it all start? <laughs> no. Oh, man. Where did it all start? So it, where do you want me to start? Yeah. Like, where were you born? Atlanta, Georgia. Northside Hospital. Right. There you right. go. And tell me a little bit about early childhood. Like, what was it like? What were your parents like? Like, what was that? You know, what was the upbringing that created Tucker Max? It was not a super pleasant upbringing. So I had okay. mom and dad got divorced when I was like a year and a half old. Mom was a flight attendant for Pan Am. Dad uh, was a restaurant entrepreneur in Florida. He still owns restaurants in Florida. And uh, they got divorced when I was very little. My my parents were like iconic baby boomers. Like they're su- they're such iconic baby boomers. You remember the movie Blow? Yeah. Did you, did you see that movie? Okay. Like th- it's a story of how George Young kind of brought cocaine to America. My yeah. parents were living in Manhattan Beach and met each other at one of George Young's parties. <laughs> like that's how baby boomer my parents were. Seriously, wow. my mom was a. Flight attendant for Pan Am, they all lived in Manhattan Beach. It's even in the movie. He talks about flight attendant. And my dad, like, grew up in L.A., was living in, in, in Hermosa or something. Yeah. And they uh, was probably doing coke as a stockbroker or whatever he was at the time. And that's, yeah. that's how they met. And so, like, they, like, all the problems, all the worst boomer stuff, that's my parents. Narcissistic, emotionally broken, consumerist, like, none of the cool boomer stuff they have. All yeah. of the, the negative boomer stuff. And so I, I, my childhood, like, you know, I had, like, I wasn't, all my trauma as a kid, my abuse was all relational, right? So, like, yeah. it's not, no one sexually abused me, no one beat me, none of the yeah. horrible, horrible, thankfully, like, that's great. But, yeah. like, I was just a lonely kid. I was lonely and abandoned. And, yeah. like, emotionally, even when my parents were there, they weren't there emotionally. Like, think about my, yeah. my think about the jobs my parents had. They like my mother literally would get on a plane and leave for two weeks. Like that, like yeah. it wasn't like she just ran ran stuff out of her. Ta- like she was an international flight attendant for Pan Am. My dad's job was a nighttime job, right? Yeah. And so like I uh, I had a very lonely, disconnected childhood. And so yeah. uh, I had you know, thankfully I had some godparents, literally random people who lived next to us in Atlanta who were amazing. And so I like I got like enough love that I didn't turn into a horrible sociopath <laughs> or or someone who works at Goldman Sachs like and so like uh I which I was close they recruited me out of college I almost went there to Goldman go. 
No, seriously, but a friend of mine at University of Chicago worked there, and he's like, don't come here. He's like, I work 120-hour weeks. And I'm like, yeah, what? There's not even 120 hours in a week. He goes, there is. It's like we 157. Him, yeah. Right. He's like, it's the worst. And I'm like, okay. And so uh, anyway, so uh, so childhood was like that. Um, my parent, my my mom's mom, my grandmother had a big beef cattle ranch in, in, in uh, Kentucky. We moved back there. I, I kind of grew up when in you were, Kentucky. This is when you were a kid? Yeah, I was like eight. We moved okay. to Kentucky and kind of grew up there. Left when I was 16. Went to boarding school in New Jersey at Blair Academy, which is like, do you know, um, Blair's like the wrestling school. I didn't wrestle, which is funny, right? But it's like <laughs> the high school. They've won like 30 high, high school national championships in a row or something insane. Wow. And so I, I know I went to the school. It's famous for something that I don't do. College, University of Chicago, law school at Duke. Where take like, it I'm back, a, I, real quick to take it back a little bit. So high school or middle school, high school, like that kind of period, like what were you into? What was like, you mentioned that your parents weren't around, but like, what were you focused on? What was, where was your passion? I know that's a passion big, big with a 10 year old, yeah. right? But, but um, most 10 year olds have something they're into. It could be video games. It could be a sport. It could be, it's something. Yeah. So I, I was like uh, very much a child of the eighties. So like, you know, all the people who are super excited about stranger things, like I grew up, I, that <laughs> yeah. was my generation. I was born in 75. Right. Yeah. So like, I remember when, when you got Domino's in 30 minutes or less, or the pizza was free. Yeah. Like I was that, like I got free pizza from Domino's. Yeah. And all so the time. like, uh, right. So, you know, the God's honest truth that, yeah, like I like GI Joe's, you know, I think I had a Nintendo, not new when it came out, but like I got like a hand-me-down one or something. I wasn't really in, I played basketball a lot. Like I wasn't that into that much as a kid. I was a weird kid because I was smart. And I, but I was in rural Kentucky, but I wasn't a Kentuckian because I got there at like eight, right? So yeah. I, like I had, I had been to good schools and I had seen the world. I'd flown all around the world with my mom because yeah. she was flying to my Pan Am. And so it was like, I, it was like, I had this weird situation where I was like around all these bumpkin rednecks for the most part who were good people, but very provincial. Yeah. And like, I wasn't one of them. But like, uh, you know, like I was in like the, the smart class, but I didn't like any of the nerds. Like I was too athletic and cool to be a nerd, but I wasn't Kentucky enough to be cool. So yeah. I was like this weird kid who was kind of off on his own, who didn't fit in anywhere. I got along with everyone. I didn't really fit into any social group because uh -huh. um, uh, I didn't like any of them. It wasn't because no one would have me. It's because I no, I don't like the jocks. They're assholes. I don't like the nerds. They're dorks. I don't like, I don't like any of these people. And so like, and, and so like I would kind of do my own thing, you know? And then, and then what I got that own thing? Like, what would you do? Like, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm like a day-to-day -day basis. Like what kind of stuff were you doing? Watch TV, read, yeah. go play go basketball. basketball. Like, yep. Yep. Kind of boring Me stuff, too. honestly. Like yeah. I didn't, I, I, because I, I didn't have anyone around me who was, yeah. like, doing cool stuff that yeah. I could, like, emulate. Like, now, like, my seven-year-old probably has done more cool stuff in his life than I did until I was got to college, right? Yeah. Because he's got me around. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, let's go do this. And, like, he's got custom knives that we found a, a blacksmith and he, like, helped design his own knife and, like, all, like, uh, cool, cool stuff. Yeah. And, and, like, um, anyway, so uh, went to boarding school because my mom's, like, crazy and, very, like, bless her heart, she's just very dysfunctional and yeah. didn't deal with any of her stuff and so my dad was never around and i never really saw him but he did have money and so he did pay for boarding school so that was cool and so i got to go and so i got it but at the time blair's like a top top tier boarding school now at the time it was like a second tier boarding school uh -huh. and so like trying to get to, to first and so 
Uh, like it's it was where the rich people sent their dumb kids. Like they sent their smart kids to Lawrenceville or to Hotchkiss, and they sent their dumb kids to Blair. And so I got there, and I was like one of the. I think I had the highest verbal SAT score of anyone in the history of the school. I mean, I had a perfect score, so it's not not that so unusual, but, no big deal. But no one was even close. So like, quick, I got was there. Was that like something you knew about yourself that you were really good at with you know the English language, so to speak, in the verbal? Oh, side I knew I was smart. Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay. Like I. You know, you know what's funny, man? Eric, like, I knew I was smart because I could look around and be like, all right, like I'm doing better on all these tests than everyone else. And I know the answer. But I never – smart was never an identity for me. Yeah. Right? It was never like I'm a person because I'm smart or I'm important because yeah. I'm smart. Because, I, like, I never really went to places where that was – it's not like I was going to, like, you know, iconic, famous high schools and that right. was my identity. It was yeah. – and I always like I could recognize the truth, but you know the thing to me was always like, why doesn't everyone else see this? Like yeah. it's so obvious to me, right? Yeah. But then also, man, I hacked school. So like, like you and I are in a lot of the same entrepreneurial groups. I bet you were probably pretty good at school, right? You did well yeah. in school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You seem like that type. Without trying. You, yeah. Right. Exactly. So yeah. like, you know, so many people in our groups, our entrepreneurial groups, like did horrible in school. And yeah. They're like super insecure about it. Yep. And, like, I, I was talking to one of them one time. It's someone I think you know, but I don't know. But I was like, dude, do you understand? Like, I'm not any – he said something about, oh, you're so smart. You went to, I'm like, dude, I am no smarter than you. Like, this dude's company is way more – like, he's super successful. I am no smarter than you. I just figured out that school is a game. Yep. And you still don't realize that. And he's like, what yep. do you mean? I'm like, I, I remember it clear as day. It was like elementary school where I realized – I forget what we – I can't remember what we were talking about. But it was something where, like, I figured out the answer. And I'm like, oh, it's this. And and then this other girl, we were, like, a, doing a, a partnership thing. And she's like, no, it's this other thing. And the teacher, like, you know, we, call, we had this horrible fourth grade teacher. And she was like, no, Tucker, you're wrong. And, and what's her name? Ashley's right. And I'm like, I can no, this is. And I realized, oh, wait a minute. Because she went on to praise Ashley's this and Ashley does that and Ashley that. I'm like, oh, school is not about what's right and wrong. Uh, no. It's not about the facts. School no. is about hacking, understanding what the mind of the person in front of the classroom believes is the right answer. Yep. And giving them, pushing back onto, reflecting onto them what they think you're supposed to say. So and funny. I like, I the oh. same exact lesson was just like, oh, I just need to write and create things to what they want to see. Whether or not I agree with it isn't the problem. It's what they want to see. And and so like at first I was like, I remember I was like bitter about this. I'm like, this is yeah. bullshit. But then I'm like, but then my next year in fifth grade, I had a teacher who was super nice but dumb and liked me. And so I'm like, all right, let's see. And so I just like the stuff I did in class was like, oh, she wants this and this. She like literally couldn't praise me enough and couldn't yeah. like told my mother I was the second coming of Jesus and all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, fuck, I'll just do the modeling there. Like, yeah. But I understood I'm modeling like what they believe is right. I, I didn't buy that it was right, which yep. is like what most people who are good at school like, oh, yeah. I'm good at this. So this system is good. I realized yeah. the system yeah. was bullshit. Yeah. Right. And so, but, but, but I still loved reading. I still loved yep. learning. And so like, it's like, I, it's like I had two lives. Like I would read the stuff I cared about and learn the yep. stuff I cared about. And then like, okay, what do I need to do for the school assignment? Oh, they want to see yep. this, this, and this. Okay, done. And yep. every now and then they would intersect, but very yep. rarely was did the stuff I care about intersect with school. And yep. so, you know, like then I, like that's how I got into Blair's because I was like off the charts good at tests and all the nonsense. Yep. And then went to University of Chicago, you know, 
graduated summa in three years from there, and then got an academic scholarship to a law school because by then I'd really started to figure out how to game the system. And yep. like, dude, I was a white dude getting an academic scholarship to a top ten law school, which, which yep, is yep. unheard of to do. Is where I went. And so like, uh, and I also uh, Penn also offered me money. They just didn't offer as much as Duke because they like they, those were the bottom of the top ten, and they yep. were like trying to get into the top. And so my yep. scores were like top score, like top five scores. And yeah. so they give the money to those kids to get them to come in. That's kind of how the yeah. game works. And so, like, um, once you figure out that game, then it, it's like it's not any different than business. In fact, it's yeah. maybe a harder game than business. Agreed. Like, because yeah. in business, you kind of understand it's a game. You just have to figure out the game. No one tells you school's a game. Right. You know? I got lucky. Like, I did. I had kind of figured it out. My eighth grade teacher pulled me aside, like, early in that year. I still am in touch with this guy. And he said, hey, Eric, just learn how to bullshit the te- your teachers and you're going to love school which is a weird way to put it to a 12 year old but like it yeah. was totally true it's like it, it how i translated that was like yeah just give them what they want to see and in college yeah. that just crushed it because they're not used to people getting that and so yeah it was college was so as you mentioned like it was easy and just yeah. didn't care i wasn't trying to go to grad school so i just i did the bare minimum and got good grades and was like i'm good yeah yeah no i was still <laughs> I didn't have the courage yet uh, in college to realize that the that a corporate system wasn't going to work for me. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't. I because you know because I, I even even though I understood the system was bullshit, I was still you know the people who like complain about the system but are still fully in it. That yeah. was me yeah. in college. Got like it. I knew it was system. I thought it was uh, uh, bullshit. I mean, college and law school. But I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, my options are law school. Cause I understand. Looking back now, I can understand. I wanted wealth and status without risk. Yeah, right? which is corporate. And, and, right, which is theoretically. Yeah. Right. Law school, i banking, management yeah. consulting. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. And so like I like I interviewed with Goldman and JP Morgan yeah. and my friend uh was like no don't 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 do it, don't do it. Yeah. And so, and then uh i bank and then management consulting too. I McKinsey and Bain yeah. I interviewed with yeah. And I'm like, these people are fucking fake assholes. Like, at least the iBankers were assholes, but real about it. Like, yeah. these people yeah. are so fake. And I'm like, no. Which it's is like ironic. I'm like, right. I'm like, I don't want the fake people, so I'll go to law school. Like, but I was I'm so sure good you. at school that it was like, eh, what's yeah. the Yeah, and that of, is the general next free step. school. Yeah, and that's yeah. the next step is those big consultancies. My fit, one of my favorite lines is, do you know how you know someone worked at McKinsey? They'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like Harvard. Yeah, like you're gonna know right yeah. away. Oh yeah, and uh, it, it's true. I, every time I work with another, because we have the investment fund. Every time I talk to an entrepreneur, they'll be like, "Well, I was former McKinsey." Like it just has to be said. Um, no, they can't. Right. Which is no. The real joke is if someone went to McKinsey and Harvard, which do they tell you first? <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so, all right. So, you, I'm curious. One last question about college. How was that similar to your kind of middle school, high school experience where you really weren't finding your crew or your group or like, did that start to change too? And you started to feel like college. Yes. At college, it was so funny. The fraternities, University of Chicago had fraternities and they were kind of lame because like this is University of Chicago at the time, especially was a nerd school. Uh It's like all the smartest kids from your high school went to University of Chicago. Right. And so like I, I gave my thought process at the time was, well, wow, I'm really smart. I want to go someplace really smart. And like I didn't understand the importance of social life at all because I uh-huh. I had one in high school, but it, not that much. And so like it just didn't resonate with me. And so I got there and I remember my, my freshman year. I remember I showed this is I, this is so funny. I showed up with two cases 
Not two cases of beer. I showed up with two cases of woodchuck ale, uh, woodchuck cider. Remember woodchuck? Like it's like yeah. just sugar and apple yeah. juice. It's the, Perfect freshman so, drink. <laughs> right, exactly. It, it was terrible. And uh, I got, I forget who I got to buy it for me. And and I, I my, my mom drove me up and I got hit it. She didn't pay enough attention. She didn't care. And so like, uh, yeah, hit it. But, and so I had like two, so like, I'm like, all right, I'll have a cool party for like me and like, I'll meet some girls or whatever in my room. And it, I was in a mixed dorm that had all different grades. It wasn't just freshmen. And I remember, like, it's like the third night of school. I had, like, 20 or 30 people in my room and a bunch of upperclassmen, and everyone was having a great time. And I remember thinking, like, I'm a freshman. Like, I'm the coolest dude here. Something's wrong. <laughs> this is this doesn't <laughs> seem right to me. Like, I'm like, you know, I thought highly of myself, but I'm like, surely the juniors and seniors are going to be cooler than me, at least a, yeah. a good portion of No! Like I was like one of the coolest people at that school, and that's not a that's not me bragging. Yeah, right? that's just yeah. the University of Chicago. And so like like the, the, if there was a group of kind of fun you know people like us, like fun cool party people, it was the athlete. And so you know I didn't play a sport there, but like they all like all the frats basically were athlete frats, yeah. right? Uh, uh, not the sororities, but the frats were. And so there's like the football frat and the basketball frat, and and they all tried to recruit me. And, and like, I kind of like, it's weird. It's like, I didn't, they were smart too. Like, I can't say those dudes weren't, yeah. they were all University of Chicago. Like, even yeah. the dumb ones were smart, yeah. right? Yeah. And so like, uh, like, I remember this one dude I thought was an idiot. And he got like almost the same, he got this, he got a, a near perfect score on math. And I'm like, oh my God, but he's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> what, what is going on? But like, I didn't really like any of them that much, right? Uh -huh. And so I can see looking back now, probably a lot of that was me. But a lot of it was like, I, I I just wasn't, I wasn't used to the normal, I don't know. Like there was something about that school where I didn't really get along with that many. I had some friends, but it was like, yeah, it was like, okay. Yeah. When I got to law school though, I don't know what it was, but law school was like, there was like eight dudes, nine dudes of us. We, 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 we were like a fraternity right away. It's like the nine of us all in one class. And we were like, we're still best friends. Like yeah. we still hang out. Like, I don't know. It was like, but they were all, it was funny because they were all state schools. Almost all of them. was. One of them was Yale. The rest were like Pitt, UVA, yeah. like yeah. What, schools that like were my safety schools. And I know it sounds like such an obnoxious prick, but You're it's good. just true. Yeah. Kansas, right? Like, yeah. and so like, uh, but they were awesome. Like, just yeah. awesome dudes. And all of them almost were in fraternities. Probably two thirds of them. Florida State, one of them was. And so, like, and we all hung out. We had the best fucking time. It was yeah, like, I, mean, you just named I, like, very I didn't want to leave law school. Like, because yeah. I, I had so much fun in law school with those nine dudes. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what it was about. Maybe I was just growing up. In fact, it was, the dude who went to UVA, uh, he's a good friend of mine. He's a, a, like, a, he's the, I don't know, he's something big at one of the big banks now. And I remember he said, at the, like, at the end of our third year, he goes, Tucker, I think you took the most out of law school of anyone of us. And I'm like, I think you're right. <laughs> but it, he meant socially. Because academically, I showed up and like, I'd, I had taken kind of like the pre-law major at Chicago, which yeah. you actually go to the law school for. Got and it. so like, I'd already studied under the biggest legal minds. Like, I knew this shit. Like, yeah. I'm like, come on. Like, this is promissory estoppel. I did that shit in my sophomore year of college. Yeah. And whereas like the dude who came from Pitt was like really struggling. Like, I had yeah. to like hold his dick for him when he pissed in class. <laughs> but But socially... It was like they were, I don't know, I think it was this, they were all really smart. and uh, But then they also were like, they had been spent enough time around men in normal social situations that I didn't really get in high school. 
and the dudes in in college were kind of not connecting with me these dudes did and i remember greg who's the dude i was talking about he's like yeah he's like you grew the most but it was all socially no zero yeah. academically and i'm like yeah that's true that's 100 and then from there yeah from there it was like i was on my I, like that was weird to say grad school was my most important social education but it was yeah yeah that's great and so we got out of there you cho- chose not to go to goldman so what was the plan uh so out of law school obviously i was gonna you know, go and work at a law firm but I got fired from Fenwick and West, which is like like the big Silicon Valley law, or one of the two or three big Silicon Valley law firms. They fired me within three weeks, and so then like, and then I wrote an email about to my friends, and they thought it was hilarious and forwarded it to everybody. And then, this is before I got fired. I wrote an email about like I got drunk at a firm event and did all this funny stuff, and then uh, they got me fired. But then uh, uh, then I got blackballed in the legal profession because like that email got forwarded everywhere, and so like you know because like lawyers are shockingly risk averse, and yeah, they don't want <laughs> they don't want no one knew about, you know, like uh, Tucker Max and quotes didn't exist then except right. as a, a writer or whatever. But like, that's actually what started the whole thing is then, I, but then I, you know, like I wasn't ready to have the courage to do that. I went to work for my dad. He runs restaurants in South Florida. And then my dad fired me from the family business in like six months. And wow. so it was like, yeah, the, the short answer is I gave, what happened? I showed up. Right. My pitch, my dad, my dad had great restaurants. They were all regional. I'm like, dad, this is like the, this is the early 2000s. So like pre nine 11. Right. Yeah. And and I'm like, dad, like PF Chang's and cheesecake are just starting to kind of go nationwide at the point Dad, you have like, you have the chains. We can take these nationwide. And I'm, and he's like, ah, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Like blah, 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 this and that. I'm like, let me come down, work for you. Like, let's, let's take the, like, I'll, I, he, cause he was older at the time. I'm like, I'll be the engine. I'll be the energy. You be the guidance and we can do this. And, and like, I, I was very intellectually smart and very socially stupid at the time. And I didn't see the red flags all over the place about my dad and about his, all this sort of stuff. Cause I was like 25, like and, yeah. and a dumb, an immature 25, very much. And so like, I get down there and like, this should have been the reddest of red flags. His whole company is full of ass-kissing psychophants who are mm-hmm. also thieves, like stealing yep. from him left and right. Not yep. bad enough that they need to go to jail, but yep. like it took yep. me like a month to realize what the fuck, right? Yeah. Yep. And so I was like, I, 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 being the idiot that I was socially and politically, I basically told them, I'm going to get all of you fired and then I'm going to scale this company with good people who don't steal. Well, well, you can guess how people who know my dad really well and yeah. are, are and are socially and politically sophisticated enough that they yeah. can steal in an organization and not get caught or punished, you can guess how they handled that. So yeah. they isolated me, like, like gave me enough room to hang myself, and then you know they coalesced together, isolated me, and and turned I don't even want to say turned my dad against me. They just like my dad didn't really want me there either because like yeah. he, the son that he rejected coming into his world and blowing it up would have been a huge ego crush for him too. Yeah. Right. And I didn't understand any of this. It's like none. Like I'm looking back twenty years and realize all this. Like oh man, I didn't see any of. This. But and so like I, I basically um, had no chance. And so and I did enough. You know, like the things I got fired for was like. You know, like the one time I, you know, I was a manager of one of the restaurants, and like, uh, you know, table of girls come in who are hot, and one of them ends up blowing me in the bathroom, and then like the 
other manager sees and is all upset. And I'm like, nothing. No one would know about like the the man the restaurant ran great. We had a bumper night. That the table was super happy. Like, what are you guys upset about? No, it's the, no, it's not like oh, he blew. The girls got upset. No, I ended up sleeping with that girl for another few weeks. We had a great time. She loves. She still comes back to the restaurant. Like, what are you guys upset go. about? Like, so I did enough stuff like that. Yeah. That um that they were able to turn my dad and, and oh he can't be here he's this he's that so yep. yeah okay. politics so okay so you leave the dad's business then what's going on man I was kind of horse fucked at that point like yeah. uh, it was it was funny uh, um and then the funny thing I hated Florida at the time when I lived down there like Florida now is way better but twenty years ago literally man Florida was old people. And I was at Boca too, so you probably have you're Jewish. You have grandparents yep. in Boca, right? <laughs> of course you do. Every Jew does. No, right? but yes. <laughs> so, so right. So, um, I mean, I'm Jewish. Had a great aunt in Boca. There you go. Yeah. You have extended yeah. old 100%. people. Family you called it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, like, uh, I lived in Boca, and so Boca, and really almost all of of that, uh, Boca, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami mm-hmm. was old people, um, uh, uh, or young people who did a lot of drugs yep. and went to clubs. Yep. And I was neither. I it's hated not that clubs. far off still, but <laughs> I, well, no, there's a huge tech community now in Miami. Like you know, young people do a lot of drugs. Of they might be in well, tech. Well, <laughs> no, uh, I'm kidding. That, I, yeah. uh, no, well, you're, you're more yeah. true than that. <laughs> but, um, but like, uh, Miami had there was no culture in Miami. Right? Yeah. Nothing. And so like, I, I kind of hated it. Right. And, and like, I mean, I was still hooking up with girls, but they were like idiots that I didn't like. And so, of course, like, um, obviously, I was super unhappy. And I would write emails to my friends about how much I hated it. And and uh, and so then I got fired. And the emails were hilarious. Like, you know, we all my friends, we all went to different uh, cities, yeah. and we all, you know, email chain. It was like 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 a group chat now. Yeah, it was happy right. an email chain there. But it, ours was hilarious because like almost everyone in the group was really funny. And, 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 and it's all highly thing. educated lawyers that are right. having fun right. with each other. So that's awesome. Exactly. And, and yeah. me working in a restaurant. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> anyway, so like, so I get fired and my buddy, the one that went to Yale, who he's now at, like, uh, I can't, well, uh, he has a big position now somewhere yeah. in media. But anyway, so he calls me up one day and he's like, Tucker, he's like, you know, like, I'm, I don't know what to do. Like, I literally have no money. My dad's not giving me money. And like, he's like, listen, he's like, you're not good at, he's like, you should be like, these emails you wrote are the funniest thing I've ever read. You should, you should do this. This should be your thing. And I'm like, what, 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 be a writer? What am I, a faggot? Like, what, no, I'm not some bitch. Like, what's wrong? A writer. Like this, yeah, my reaction to him, yeah. my very mature reaction. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, Tucker, let, let's look at your life. You failed at law. You failed at business. Those are the two things you trained for. So you're good at this. So yeah. maybe you are a faggot and a bitch, but this is what you're good at. <laughs> good to have good like, friends. Well, yeah, like uh, that's a persuasive argument. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Logic so I, I, dude, I, I sent my like five best emails to like every publishing house in New York and every agent. This is back when there was like an actual physical book yeah, yeah. and you had to mail in. So, yeah. And so uh, sent all the men, got... Not just 100%. When I say 100% rejection, I'm being actually very literal in the true yeah. sense of the word literal. Not like literal, it doesn't mean that. Yeah. It means yeah. figured. Yeah. Like, uh, zero acceptance. Most, you know, 90% ignored. Okay. Uh, you know, a, a 9% were like uh, form rejection letters. Yeah. 
But dude, there were like three or four people who took the time to write personalized rejections. Like this is, but they were all horrible. Like yeah, this, this is, is the brave. worst thing I've ever read. Yeah, you should never write an email again. Like, uh, like uh, I had to, yeah, I had to sanitize my office because this, your your story was in it. Whatever. Like there were people who like took the time to tell yeah. me that I should never write again. And now at the same time though. Right, so normally for most people that'd be discouraging. Yeah. But what was happening is my emails that my I'd sent my friends, they had sent to other people in their other social circles. And you're probably old enough. Do you remember email forwards back yeah. when they were like that was before yep. social media yeah, or anything? Right? This is before MySpace. Email yeah. games, yeah. So I, I started getting my emails forwarded to me from people like in high school or like other well, totally yeah. unrelated social yeah. circles to law school. And, like, people would be like, oh, dude, this is really funny. And I'd be like, I fucking wrote that. And it happened, like, a lot. And so what I realized was, oh, my shit's funny. Even though, like, the people whose entire job it is to, like, find new funny stuff or new stuff to to publish, they don't know. Like, I realized they don't know what they're talking about, right? Like, um, and so I was, like, just dumb and arrogant enough to be like, all right, I, I I know better than they do, just at least because I have this evidence. Yeah. And so uh, this is back like when GeoCities still existed. So yeah. like I'd put up my own GeoCities site or whatever it was yeah. before Blogger or anything, yeah. and uh, put up my stories and they blew up. Like they like, overnight. I mean, very quickly because like I put them. This is back when College Humor was still big. Remember yeah. that site? Yep. Yeah. And so like they they linked every one of my new stories when it came oh, out. Cool. And so like it might I mean it would blow and that was like even then that would be 20 30 40,000 unique views yep. a day. Wow. Right from them. Wow. And so yeah. it was a lot of traffic. And that was back when the internet was like 30 million people. Right. So it was yeah. like a lot. Yeah. And so it blew up and then MTV came and did a show about it was a show about people who meet other people on the internet. Like, this is back when, like, the internet was super creepy. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, uh, I had, like, a date application page on my site where, like, girls could fill it out to, like, uh, it was, like, a joke. So it was funny. funny yeah. But then girls would actually fill it out. And I, and so they came to, like, do a show about me. And then that blew up. And then, like. Were you um, still in Florida at this time, by the way? Yes. Okay. No, no. I just, I moved to Chicago. Oh, you moved to Chicago. And so, like, yeah, I was in Chicago at this point because my buddy. My buddy, who's now like a huge, big-time commercial real estate, not lot from law school, but a different yeah. place, yeah. huge commercial real estate guy in South Florida, like worth all kinds of money. Yeah. He had like a two-bedroom condo, and I went to visit him, and he's like, oh, yeah, like just casually, you know, like you say nice things to a friend. He's like, yeah, just stay in the guest bedroom as long as you want, man. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just Great. Yeah. <laughs> I've had Don't say that to poor people, man. I've had two friends right, do that exactly. to me. And it's like, yeah, hang out. I'm thinking a week. And this all of a sudden, seven months later, you're like, dude, you got to go. Yeah, find get place. The... <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so I did that. And then like, I was like making money. Remember speed dating? Like I was hosting speed dating events. And yeah. so I was making just enough money to like, but yep. that's about it. And so then that blew up. And then the publishers came back to me. There was one editor in specific, Jeremy Ruby Strauss, who's now at Gallery at Simon uh-huh. Schuster. He came back and he was like, listen, dude, like, the, I know what you have is something. I, we hadn't sent, I hadn't sent my stuff to him. Uh-huh. So he's like, he's like, this is amazing. Like, I need to publish it. And so that became, I hope they serve beer in hell, which, you know, sold 2 million copies and yep. spent five years in the New York Times bestseller list and all that stuff. Yep. Got it. And so how old were you at that point? 26, 27? I was 27. The day I put up my website was like a week before my 27th birthday. Beer in Hell came out, I think it was like 31. 
Okay, so you spent out. four years blogging, yeah. oh, and then wrote it for, I'm guessing, a couple years, between writing and publishing, yeah. it was a couple years. Yeah, I know. It was, it was a while from the time the site, the site went up in 02, and the book came out in 06, so it was like four years. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was, I, so I'm a little younger than you, but I was in high school when the site went up, and I remember all my high school friends and I reading this going, this guy's crazy, like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, so I want to ask, was, were the stories all completely true, or did you, like, embellish it a little bit yeah. and have fun with it, or were they, like, you went through I mean, it? Because there were some pretty funny, no, crazy stories in there. Well, so those two things are not mutually exclusive. Like, no, people are always like, are they true? And I'm like, it's funny. People, when they first came out, everyone's like, can these possibly be true? Yeah. Nowadays, no one asks if they're true because, like, crazier shit happens on, like, an average right. Instagram account. Right. But, no, they're, they're definitely true. I mean, there's definitely stories where, like, I've had a lot of friends who, like, were there, right, yeah. for the story. And they'll read the story and they'll be like, okay, this isn't fake. Like, you didn't make anything up. But this is not at all how I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> like their experience. The yeah. Right. They'll be like, their experience of the same night where we were together the, almost the whole night was totally different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that definitely happens, man. Like, yeah. I've had a lot of them. Like, like the, the story about Midland, especially. That's in Beer and Hell. Yeah. Like, that guy, he went on. It's so funny. He went on to become, like, a badass special forces soldier and all this sort of stuff to do. But he's like, I spent a week with the dude in Midland or two weeks. And he's like, he, he goes, I've never said, he's like, I didn't know it was possible to, to read something that was true, but also not at all how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's an art to it. Yeah, authorship. Yeah. Awesome. Because um, well, I just write from my perspective and I cut everything else. I cut everything out that's not either directly relevant to the plot or funny. Yeah. Right. So like all kinds of things happened that right. he thought were really important. And I'm like, nah, this isn't funny. and It doesn't matter to the reader. Yeah. You know, so like I, my goal was always I have to tell an interesting story. Yeah. I, this has to be interesting and funny because if it's not, no one cares. No one's reading my shit for accuracy. Right. Yeah, it's got to be real. Like I've got to actually go to Midland or wherever the fuck yeah. or I've got to actually drink and have sex with this girl or whatever. Other than that, no one cares. And so so where do you think that came from your insight? Because it's pretty insightful to understand that. Most people don't get that to write for the audience to like. This yeah. is something I'd say 99% of people really don't understand. What about your upbringing, your history, et cetera, taught you that? So I think I got very lucky in that my training as a writer, I don't know, well, first of all, I wrote a lot in college and high school. Yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, you went to, you know, good schools too. So, like, I had a plenty of writing background, right? So I, I had developed the fundamentals of writing sure. over decades. So I had all the fundamentals. But, I, first of all, I never identified as a writer. Mm-hmm. Right, which is a huge mistake a bunch of people make. It's like, okay, my identity—I I want my identity to be writer, yeah. and so here's what writers do. So I have to go do what they do, no, yeah. and then they get all fucked up. Yep. Yeah. I I still don't really identify as writer that much, but I, especially then I didn't. Yeah. And so I my writing was an emergent property of one thing. I was trying to get my friends to laugh. Yeah. Right, and so literally in nine friends who yeah. knew me. Trying to get them laugh over email. Yeah. So it's like it, it's like a very restrictive, very difficult bounded sphere of operation. Yeah. And so like with your friends, they're gonna call your bullshit. Yeah. You can't waste their time, yeah. right? And 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 my friends especially. I mean, we were like, you know how like you're yeah. really good friends. You just bust each other's balls yeah. relentlessly. Yeah. And so everything any of us wrote that wasn't funny in that in that chain, yeah. like we would just fuck people up. Yeah. And so I got immediate direct, and they were all smart and all good writers. And so I got immediate direct feedback. Yeah. And so that was like a year and a half of 
the most ruthless, like having the most ruthless writing group of all time. Yep. And 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 what it it, it really taught me, like oh, and so I just never changed. Yep. I just never changed my style. My style is I have to make these nine dudes laugh because if I do, then the world laughs too. Yep. That's smart. And how did that book deal go? So you sold two million copies. Like, was that game changing? Like, that's it. I'm successful now. I got my own two bedroom condo in Chicago. Um. Yeah. I mean, I made good money yeah. on it. I make about two dollars a copy. So like, it's good. Yeah. Um. Uh. How quickly no, did you no, sell no, that though? Because again, you went from like everything oh, the bills to years. Yeah. Years, years. So in the beginning, I, like, I, did you get a book deal or something that set you up enough to be like, okay, I'm no, like my my advance was seventy five hundred dollars. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> So, and was the blog, I mean, the, your website making any money? Uh, it made okay. Like, that was back when, like, random blogs could have ads. But, like, I had a direct network uh, with a network. This is, like, long before yeah. cool shit now that happens. Like, I remember, like, emailing Stone Brewing when they came out with Arrogant Bastard. I'm like, I am your fucking guy. How you got? And they, like, never responded. I'm like, what? How could, what is wrong with you? Like, I am literally the spokesman for this. Yeah. Which, like, like nowadays, they'd give me five million bucks and fly right. me out there and it'd be like yeah. a whole. Um, but honestly, in a lot of ways, it ended up good for me that, that I had to struggle for that long. Yep. Uh, because, man, it's like, it's like I'm. I, I got so independent and so used to right. operating yeah. on nothing and whatever that like it's like eh, well this is easy. Yeah. And so like um I made, made you know what's funny, my relationship with money is very funny. It's very different than most people. I, this is gonna sound kooky. I've just never really worried about money. Mm-hmm. I, every time I've gone out trying to make money, I lose money. Yeah. Every time, without exception, whether it's investing. Uh, whether I don't care, stock market investing, startup investing, betting. Yeah. If I tr- if, yeah. if my goal is I need to go make money, I fail. And like I know so many people who are like, if they go and try and make money, they can't lose money. I'm like, right. how do you do this? Like, it's yeah. like it's like magic to me. Yeah. I don't understand it. But I I have to do go the other way. Yeah. I have to to just not worry about money. I have to just do the things that I love that other people seem to want. Yep. And and then envision what I want, and then I always get it. Right? Yep. Like I'm on this beautiful fucking ranch in Dripping Springs, a yep. wife, four kids. I got all the money in the world, and I got all of that from focusing on doing things I really like that other people seem to like and want to pay for. And that's it. That's all I can do. If I worry about anything else with money, shit goes sideways. Good to be self aware too. <laughs> it's so I I can't explain it. Like I know it sounds like goofy. But no, not no at all. I get it. Me to explain it. Yeah. No, it, yeah. it actually does make sense. And so, at post coming out with the book, took your life into a whole different direction, huh? Oh yeah. No. Well, not right away because the okay. the book hit the bestseller list because yeah. I had an email list, right? Like which accidentally, yeah. really, yeah. I got lucky there. And then um, it hit bestseller list for two weeks, which was like a big deal because like yeah. no one, no media coverage, nothing. And then, uh, then from there, it kind of fell off. Mm-hmm. And then it was like down, down, like 5,000, 6,000 copies the first week down to like, I think it bottomed out around nine, eight or 900 copies mm-hmm. a week. And then it started climbing. Yeah. And it was all word of mouth. Yeah. Like it was literally, the, there's two things that, that it's now that I'm older and more mature and less worried about how smart I look, I can actually look back and see what worked and what didn't. I did a ton of shit. 
Um, you know, like Ryan Holiday was my first assistant. Like I hired him and trained him and all marketing stuff. And yeah, right. Like I, and so like all, he pulled a bunch of stunts and we did all this stuff together. And like, I actually think a lot of, most of that was detrimental at, at worst detrimental at best neutral. Yeah. The, the, the thing looking back now, uh, which some of the stunts were brilliant and cool, but like for me, they just weren't that they didn't sell books. Yeah. Um, the, the look, looking back now, the thing that mattered was people loved the stories, right? Which is number one, great product. Yeah. And then number two, they were super easy to share because I had like 10 of my very best ones on my site free and I never took, they're still up on TuckerMax.com. I never took them off. And so it's such, it's easy for everyone. Instead of saying, go read this book, it's like, go read this story. Yeah. And so you read like the butt sex story or the the sushi pants story or the hockey story and if if you hate it, cool, no problem. If you love it, there's a bunch more, and then you're like, you're in, you're like, oh, he's got books. I got to go buy them all. Yep, makes complete so. sense. And so that sort of take off for you. What did that What did that do to your career? Like, it, you got a best selling book. Did you just start working on the second one right away? Like, what what happened from there? Man, if I was smart, I would have. Now, <laughs> my first one, once it 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 it, it launched in '06, but then it was about mid '07 when it really started to hit the zeitgeist, and yeah. like I started to get big. Yeah. Um, and that's when Hollywood came calling. Uh-huh. And so then I moved to, I was in LA for two years. Oh, seven. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Two, but mid oh seven to mid oh nine. And if I had been smart, I would never have stopped working on my books. I would have, I would have made the books, the foundation and everything else would be just off of that. I didn't. What I did was I focused on Hollywood uh-huh. and I got a movie made. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. like it didn't work. Like I got it, but, um, the movie wasn't very good for a lot of reasons, mainly my own fault. Why do you say I that? picked the wrong because I picked the wrong people to work with. Got it. Like I didn't. I was. I picked people who would do what I wanted, but weren't very skilled. Instead of picking very skilled people, yeah, who would put me in my place, uh-huh. um, because I was not. I didn't. I didn't have the emotional maturity yet to understand both that movies were a totally different medium and required someone who was as good at that medium as I was in mine. Because I thought, yeah. oh, I'm good at books. I can do anything. No, it's yeah. a totally different medium. And then also, like, I just didn't. There was a lot of things. Uh, I can complain about Hollywood and, and the sociopaths in it and all, and that's all true. Sure. None of that is actually why the movie failed. Yeah. It's all true. Just not like, yeah. it's not like, you know, Harvey Weinstein was like, oh, you have to let me rape you or I'm going to make your right. movie fail. No, yeah. it didn't. That's happened to people. No, I know. People. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> not me. Heard. Um, yeah. I, 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 all right. I screwed myself. Yeah. Um, uh, even though the system's evil and fucked up and corrupt, yeah. I, I, I mainly screwed myself. And yeah. so uh, that was painful and unfun. And, and I didn't really learn the lesson until I'd been out for a while. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I moved to Austin. Movie came out in 09. Yeah. Didn't do very well. I hated LA. And I was like, all right, I got to I gotta go to the opposite city of LA. <laughs> so I went to Austin. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was like, uh, this is Austin 10 years, 13 yeah. years ago when it was really it's not the opposite, opposite of LA. LA now it's, yeah, no, it's LA East. Yeah, now, exactly. Which is why I'm in dripping. Yeah. Like, so I'm an hour yeah. out now. <laughs> but, um, uh, I got here and it was great. I loved it. I love the people. I mean like Texas, like to live, honestly, is not that great. Yeah. It's too, too hot here. Yeah, the weather's tough, yeah. Ah, the weather's, but the people are especially yeah. 13 years ago in Austin yeah. were awesome. Yeah. And so like it was just so many great people and so few assholes. Yeah. And so um uh then I I finished like like 
uh, assholes finished first and hilarity ensues and yeah. sloppy seconds. Like it was like a four book arc. Yeah. And I kind of finished those. And then I retired from Fat Tire because I was like at that point, like 35. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, look, I don't want to go out five nights a week anymore and yeah. get drunk and bang 22 year olds. Like it's not yeah. cool anymore. And I don't mean cool socially. I mean like, I don't like it anymore. Yeah. Like I don't personally enjoy this anymore. Yeah. It's unfun. Yeah. You know? And so like, I just, I retired from that genre and I put it aside and it's like, I'm done with this and it, it I'm going to go do something else. Right. And then, Met my wife about two years later. Mm-hmm. It took me about two years to really kind of get out of that mode. and yeah. right get out of that mode and like change my life and get to like a a place I wanted to be, which I would have done years earlier if I hadn't been famous for drinking and partying. And then it's yeah. like, and then it all came, dude. There is nothing like it is the strangest thing as a dude because like I had really you know I had good good game for a guy you know when I was young and single, but having the best game still means you go out and yeah. you have to try yeah right even if you're so good you barely have to try you're yeah. still trying yeah right you're still doing something when you become famous on any level and i was not like i was super famous right. but there was that i mean i was on times 100 most you know influential list so i was yeah. famous enough yeah um everything changes like you don't not only do you not have to try like women work really hard to get you to sleep with them yeah which was like so mind blowing to me. Like I understood that this existed for like rock stars and athletes, but you can't imagine it till it happens to you. Yeah. How inverted it is, right? Like the the metaphor I always use for dudes, women understand yeah. because women have wanted to have got like almost unless the woman is like you know uh, Shrek or something. Like she, every woman has had lots of guys that wanted to sleep with her for as long as she can remember, right? Yeah. So they get that. Dudes don't. Like, no, we don't. And, like, the the only metaphor I can use to explain it to guys is, like, imagine you grew up on a desert island where, like, you're surviving, but you're always hungry. You're having to scrape by for food. Like, eating is a struggle every day. And you go yep. a lot of days and you don't eat, yep. right? And then you go, literally, you get picked up from there in a helicopter, and they take you and put you in a buffet. You now live in a buffet. Yeah. Like, imagine what you would do. Right, yep. and they're like, "Oh yeah, okay, that's what it's like to be famous, except replace women with food." And you were famous for and partying like, and hooking up, so it was just another level. Right? Yeah. Oh, dude. So right, exactly. And the 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 word. This is a thing you could never have. I could never have believed this. You could never have explained this to me ahead of time. I was going to end up hating, hating it because even though like. I still like women. I'm married. You know, yeah. I still like sex. But like, you got four kids. So you've done it a few times, right? Yeah, <laughs> clearly, I'm in, I'm into that. But like, uh, the type of women who are coming to me for sex. At first, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I couldn't even imagine. But then, I realized, oh man, like not all, yeah. but a lot of the women who are coming to sleep with me are like kind of like might be smoking hot or yeah. whatever. But like, kind of not the type of women I yeah. want to sleep with, like yeah. emotionally, yeah. and like, which yeah. is like funny to say. I get it. But like, it was I didn't, I couldn't at that point in my life. Yeah. Like, I couldn't have have understood that at, at twenty seven. It was unthinkable. Yeah. At thirty one, I'm like, ah, well, I like it a lot. But by thirty three, I'm like, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was mainly because of the type. Man, I, I got so many women who came to me who were so broken. And wanted me to like, and I, I don't mean that judgmentally of yeah. them, 
right? Like, I was definitely in a broken, very dysfunctional space, too, right? So yeah. I'm not shaming or putting those women down at all. But, like, women who would, like, come to me and, like, be upset that I didn't treat them. Well. Like, no, yeah. seriously, like, yeah. like, why don't you hit me during sex? And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or like, they, like, they would, like, be, like, they had it, whatever image they had or the, whatever thing they wanted, they would yeah. often project on me. So if yeah. they wanted just a fun drink beer and hang out bro type guy then i was great right yeah who kind of treated them a little shitty but in a funny way and like you know like the joke was between us not on them yeah then we got along great but there were a bunch of girls who really wanted dysfunction yeah like that was their that was where they were in their level and if you're not there that come to me it was so fucking weird to me like it was so weird and so dis it was so hard to face that like okay on some level i'm putting this energy out yeah you know, like, even yeah. if I don't, like, never in any of my books do I write about, like, hitting women during sex. That doesn't get me off. That's never been a thing. Yeah. Hey, someone likes that, cool, whatever. It's not my thing, and it's never a thing. But, like, clearly on some level, I am putting something out that is attracting yeah. a large part of people that I do not want to be around. So, like, I can't. One or two, I can blame them. A hundred, yeah. it's not them. Yep. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> and so like i had to really face that man yeah. and then like i had to like i got to the point where i had to stop meeting women and hooking up with women who were like coming to me like because i was tucker back like yeah. going to events or emailing me and i had to literally i had to cold turkey that yeah and and not even because like i got to the point where i was pretty good in sifting okay this girl's not doesn't want me to strangle her yep. to near death during sex but so i she's not but even then it's like my is my therapist pointed out she's like none of those girls are sleeping with you they're yeah. sleeping with who they imagine tucker max to be i'm like oh yeah fuck. yeah <laughs> you're good, totally good right it's so true yeah yeah no it, like i didn't dudes don't understand what objectification is because yeah. no one objectifies us. yeah but once you get famous uh, on any level yeah. really then it's like ah oh. yeah I was totally being object and i was i was doing the same thing back to the women sure. so it's not like yeah. i'm some you know what i like, I'm like, ah, oh, man. And so, like, that was, like, a big existential crisis for me. And I had to really do a lot of work and shed all of that. Yeah. And then, like, it's sort of like with, uh, like, kind of with companies. When I go right at money, it doesn't work. I have to go instead at, like, value creation in the yep. broadest sense. And it works. Same with, with women. Like, I got to the point where I, I wanted a serious relationship and a girlfriend. But I couldn't just go find a girlfriend. Yep. What I had to do. And my therapist was really good at the time. She's like, what kind of woman do you, you know, describe the woman? I, you know, I described this amazing woman. And she's like, okay, does that woman want you? I was like, bitch, who are you talking to? I'm rich and famous. Of course she better want you. You want it front or back? Like, what are you talking? <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 Tucker. I'm, yes, you're rich and famous and uh, whatever. She's like, but that woman has a lot of rich and famous guys. So why you? Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> damn. Because I'm like, right. Like, if she can get Ryan Gosling and me, why me? Because Ryan Gosling doesn't have, you know, just, you know, the yeah, internet yeah, boyfriend, yeah, yeah, Ryan yeah. Gosling, right? Yeah. He doesn't have my issues. Yeah. Fuck. And so then it was like, all right, so the woman I want, what parts of me do I have to really kind of get right before I'm the guy she's looking for? Yeah. And so, like, I that was, you know, a couple of years of, of pretty mm-hmm. serious, like, like work and then it was dude it was the weirdest thing it was almost like 
the month that I really kind of got to a good stable place and met my wife. Wow. <laughs> it's like as soon as I was ready. Yeah. It's not like I was ready for yeah. six months and then she came. Yeah. It was like, I remember thinking like, oh yeah, I got past this. And like, I had a couple of moments where it was like, I almost got pulled back into the old yeah. world. And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm going to go. For, like I had to, I had to cut it first. Yeah. You know, everyone's like, oh, I'll find my wife and then I'll, uh, or I'll yeah. find my thing and then I'll be happy. Yeah. It's it was the other yeah, way around. Yeah, exactly. You got to be happy, and then you. I had to get happy first, and then yeah. she showed right up. Yep. Like she showed up almost immediately. It was kooky. That's almost. awesome. How'd you meet her, by the way? Uh, my CrossFit coach. So it, it was part of like <laughs> I have a whole thing. My CrossFit coach introduced me to her. So my CrossFit coach, tra- like my wife, is like a competitor when I like mm-hmm. at CrossFit. She's like a badass, uh-huh. and uh, multiple things, but also at CrossFit. And so my coach trained with her, like you know, like the coach class. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember like, uh, my coach invited me to like some event and I brought a girl that I was kind of seeing at the time. Who's like, for me, like a really nice girl and like, didn't meet her through my site. Like it was, and, uh, my coach like, was like, who's that fucking girl you're with? And I'm like, my coach was a woman. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, she's super nice. She goes, that girl's not good enough for you. I'm like, all right, well introduce me to one. And she goes, I know a girl, but I don't know if you can handle her. I'm like. Show me the the woman I can't handle. I would love to see the woman I cannot handle. Like maybe she exists, but I have not met her. <laughs> and it was Veronica. It was my wife. That's and awesome. so, uh, yeah, like we uh, that it was, it was it, it went pretty fast from there. Like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it was nice. And so professionally, you wrote the books, you put them out, you had enough money. It sounds like you weren't worried about your own personal money. And as you said, you're not big money guy, but. What what kind of happened next there? Did you ha- like were you worried about what you want to do next? Did you take a break from that while you were kind of doing your personal <laughs> no. stuff up? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't writing. Like I yeah. retired, right? Yeah. And, but then I had a ton of money. And uh honestly, like, you know, we started Scribe. Zach, you know Zach. Yep. Like Zach, I mean, it's, it's like this is how bad of an entrepreneur I, I I was at the time. I had tons of people coming to me asking me how to write a book yep. or help them write their book or whatever. And I'm like, "Ah, eh, I don't want to." And this one woman finally kind of called me out about it, right? And and I was like, all right. So, like, I agreed to help her. And I basically, like, I knew Zach. I'm like, Zach, listen, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do with her. You just do it and we'll split the money. He's like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. And so, like, we did that. The book did great. She started recommending her friends. I did Lewis House's podcast at the time about something else. And he, like, was struggling with his book. And we talked about how to use the process that I, I taught Zach with this woman. And he loved it. And he's like, what do you call your company? I'm like, what company? <laughs> and so like, like, uh, and then like, uh, so we had like 10 people sign up from that podcast. And that was back, like that was early in Lewis's podcast. So like, he didn't even have a big audience then. Yep. And um, uh, like, like we did a quarter million in sales in like two months. Wow. Sale. And Zach's like, dude, I think we have a company. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And so like that, like we, Zach and I took it to about, Two million in sales, uh-huh. and then it was like okay, like the wheels came off, yeah. right? Like once we had to add a layer of management yeah. and process, like I'm pain in the ass, <laughs> dude, the worst. Like you know real well, I've seen you grow from almost nothing to like a serious company now, but like you, you did it while at the helm. I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not taking this, yeah. uh, uh-uh. uh. And so like we had a, a client who was a badass or president of a software company, and like I just got to be friends with him, and then like. I was like, look, man, can you just come run my company? I don't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. So then, like, uh, he, and so now, like, seven years later, like, the company's doing amazing. Yep. I just left the company last year because they don't need me anymore. Yeah. You know, and, like, they're 
everything's great, man. Like, it, but it was, I mean, it was, I, a lot of it sounds like, oh, I just stumbled ass backwards into stuff. And a lot of it I did. But the thing of it is, it's almost like, you know what it is? It's almost like a, a the football would fall, not in my lap, but 10 feet away yep. from me. And I would just go walk and pick it up and carry it. Which is you know? I believe That's that it. a lot of luck has to do with success. But someone rem- really called me out on this recently, a few months ago. I, I've always given cr- more credit to luck with my success and been like, yeah, I'm lucky. Like, I'm fortunate. I'm, you know, born in the right place, went into, fell into the right things. Yeah. But they, they called me on it and it actually clicked and it not to mean e- egotistical, but all the people that are successful, yeah, luck presented itself, but they're also the few people that actually walked over to the football and picked it up. Like, most people go, oh, that's interesting and move on. You've got to actually walk through the door. And then the luck happens some more, but yeah, you have, you know, it's the create your own luck thing. Yes, 100%. Luck is made. Yep. Yes. Great. And so a yeah. couple more questions for you. Uh, number one, what's next? Man, right now, so I'm still getting my ranch dialed in, right? Like, obviously, I can hire people for this, but, like, I want to learn all the basics. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, I just hung gates and laid or fence and stuff, and, like, I want to do as much as I can myself. Like, we, I didn't put in the rainwater capture, but, like, I was out there with the dudes, and, like, hold on, why are you doing this? And, like, trying to learn all this stuff. So, like, I want to get my ranch really dialed in. Uh, you know, I got three young kids, four young kids, seven, five, three, and newborn. There you go. And like, I'm not, a, uh, you know, everyone's like, I love my family. I actually like my family and I like spending time with them. Yeah. I'm not in a rush to start something and have it, have it take me away from yeah. the flower of their youth. Yeah. You know, like I, I want to be around. Yep. Yeah. And so, and then also, you know, me and another family started a school like three minutes awesome. away at Waldorf yeah. uh, for in dripping. And so like. I've been helping with that, but like, I'm not right now. I'm not in a rush to go do anything new. Yep. Plus I, I think something, you know how it is, man. Something will present itself right. that I'm like, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You know? Yep. But again, it's the making your own luck. You're going to be paying attention all of a sudden. And you, you still are out talking to your friends, staying in touch with your network. So it'll happen. Of course. Last question for someone else that wants to pursue their dream. Again, you had kind of an very indirect path to like, you didn't you ever think you'd be a writer and you ended up with a writing company that you built. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. what would be your one piece of advice that you either received or wish you did for someone that, you know, wants to pursue whatever that dream of theirs is? It's a tough question. So like, I always take those questions seriously. I appreciate Most it. people yeah. just regurgitate yeah. whatever they're told or they, Oh, I heard, you know, someone else say this. That's actually a really hard question to answer mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. One, I don't like giving advice just overall, right? Because I, in my experience, advice is garbage. I like to tell people what I've done, what I know has worked for me, yeah. right? Yeah, but then also, like, the like if I'm going to give advice, it's got to be very specific. It's got to be more like coaching. Yeah. Like, let you tell me your issues, and then let's talk through them, and I'm going to ask questions to help you f- you trigger your own solution, right? Yep. And if not, then then we can get into the advice realm if you need something prescriptive. But if, if I were to... to to, to give a, a piece of wisdom that I've found to be true and that's very hard-earned. Um, man, it kind of goes back to exactly what we were just talking mm-hmm. about. All right, this is going to get a little... If, if I had heard someone say this five years ago even, I would have been like, eh, that's kind of airy-fairy and cool. I now am a full believer in this. I've seen too much and experienced too much but to deny this anymore. But I am a huge believer that every person creates their own reality. Right. And I mean that almost fully. Like, I don't think I created this table from my mind. Right. Like, so I'm not like a lunatic like that. But I mean, like, everything about your life that exists right now exists because of choices you've made that have gotten 
Yes, you have other influences, of course. No one lives, you know, in their own absence other influence. But but the thing that really fundamentally has shifted, especially in the last four years for me, is that I've taken full and complete ownership and responsibility for my own. Yeah. Right. And that really it doesn't mean I don't influence everything. Yeah. Right. But I everything that happens to me, I'm if it happens, I'm gonna accept it and then take responsibility yeah. for dealing with it. Right? Even if I didn't cause it. And everyone I've ever seen who had that sort of high agency, high responsibility attitude succeed. However, they chose to define success, right? And so, like, if someone is out there listening to this and they want more, the question to ask yourself really is, why, why, why don't I have it? Yep. Right? For, why do I not have the thing I it's want? It's exactly what you talked about and with your wife, meeting your wife. Mo- what am I most doing of wrong? the answers. Yeah. But then listen to your answer. Yep. Most people, when I ask them that, go into a victim mindset. Yep. Well, this and this, I don't have this, this person didn't. Yeah, all those things might be factually true. Yep. But like, you're, that, you, what, the story you're telling yourself is now the thing preventing you from having it. Yep. Right? If you actually want that, th- then, then the question then for you becomes, how do I go get that? Yep. How do I make that happen? You know? And it really is, it sounds simplistic. But if you just, most everything I've ever seen is very simple. Like every great memoirist answers two questions. What happened? How did I feel? That's it. And they just keep going in a loop. What happened? How did I feel? What happened? How did I feel? And that's it. The greatest memoirs of all time are what happened. Irie Van Frank is nothing but what happened and how she felt. She's just real fucking honest and most people aren't. And so if someone's looking to succeed who has not succeeded, ask yourself why. And then I wouldn't, you could, there's a million ways goal setting all, yeah. just say no. Like what if you just decided you're going to take full responsibility for making that happen, even if you don't know yep. how. Just what I've seen, when I decide that weird things start happening yep. that, that, oh wow, I didn't know I knew. This person reached out to me that I haven't talked to in 10 years who owns a company that does the thing I'm trying to do. How did that happen? Yep. Like all this weird, or you just start seeing things, on, if you even do it all yourself. Like, all right, I need to do this. I need to think this. And you start taking action. Yep. You know, like that there, I don't know of any other way to be successful other than deciding you are going to be first and then going to do the things necessary to do it. I know it sounds simple, but most people don't do that. Totally agree. Well, Tucker, this has been awesome. Thank you for coming on Hawk Talk. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.